Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another week. It is Friday, August 18th, 2023. This week, a teenage girl is sent to prison for life. What did she do? I'm going to tell you. And uh, Trump's cronies go after the grand jury in Georgia. And also, a clever man figures out a way to turn the tables on a bunch of squatters. All this and more. Stay tuned. Yes. Super excited. We are all pumped to have James Author Renner. James Renner. That James Renner has zeroed in. James Renner once again drops a bombshell. Investigative journalist reporter James Renner, who's been on the podcast a long time. Hey, welcome back to True Crime This Week with James Renner. There's the seal of approval. That's how you know it's me and not some uh, alternative. Diet Renner or something. I don't know. Uh, as always, I want to say thank you to Walter for manning the camera. Thanks for being here. Thanks for all your help. And I also want to say thank you to the public library system out of Livonia, Michigan. I was there on Monday. We had an event. I was talking about the new book, Little Crazy Children, available in bookstores everywhere. Um, okay, that's enough bell for this week. Uh, <laughs> um, but it was it was great. We had a packed house. It set a record for the library. Uh, it was one of the best uh, you know, uh, library talks I've, I've had in a long time. So thank you very much. And if you want to come see me in person, get a signed book. I'm all over the place this fall. Uh, just check out my schedule at jamesrenner.com. And also I want to thank you, the listener, for the reviews that came in last week. I asked if you could just take a moment to give a review um, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps the show get noticed. Um, and, and you did. So thank you very much. Uh, let's get to the stories. That's what we're here for. Let's get to the, the true crime stories that fell through the, through the cracks that you might not have heard about this last week. And really, this is kind of a strange sto- uh, week because there are no like really shocking big headlines. But uh, I want to bring to you some stories that you should know about. First up, I want to tell you about this tragic crime story out of Cleveland, out of the, you know, just down the road here. A teenage girl was sentenced this week to life in prison following a car crash that left her boyfriend and another man dead. The girl's name is Mackenzie Sherilla, and in the early morning hours of July 31st, 2022, when she was just 17 years old, Mackenzie was driving through the suburbs of Cleveland in her 2018 Toyota Camry. Her 20-year-old 20, 20 boyfriend, Dominic Russo, was in the car along with their friend, Davian Flanagan. They had all spent, the three of them had spent the night at a friend's house smoking marijuana. So on her way home, 
Mackenzie starts speeding. The car gets up to 100 miles an hour and then crashes into the side of a building. The two men inside died. Mackenzie lived. She recovered at a hospital. And prosecutors allege that Mackenzie did this on purpose and charged her as an adult with murder. Her attorney says it was an accident, a teenager racing down the road who lost control. Now, her case was not presented to a jury. This is one of those cases where they opted to have it tried in front of just a judge, and that would be Judge Nancy Margaret Russo, who is apparently not related to the victim. On Monday, Judge Russo found Mackenzie guilty and sentenced her to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 15 years. Now, evidence presented by the prosecutor included a video taken from a nearby business that showed her car speeding down the road, as well as a note from a doctor who treated Mackenzie in the hospital that said the girl expressed, quote, grief, guilt, and shame, end quote, which they said was actually evidence of, quote, consciousness of guilt, end quote, whatever the hell that means. The judge said she believed Mackenzie acted with purpose and morphed from a responsible driver to literal hell on wheels, is how she put it. This whole thing is weird, right? Do you see the red flags? Uh, also, in Cleveland, the last name Russo is like equivalent to Kennedy in Massachusetts. They're very involved with local politics. They're, you know, some, some, some of the uh, uh, top people in town. This is where the Russo brothers come from. They were related to, um, you know, local politicians in town. So I don't know where this Russo or these Russos fit into all that, but it's, it's, it's a name that carries with it some weight just by the name alone. I'm not sure if Mackenzie's boyfriend, by the way, is, is how he fits into that whole thing. But let's play devil's ad advocate here. Let's say Mackenzie really did do this, and I don't see that they've presented that, but obviously the judge felt that they did. But let's say she's 100% guilty, drove into this wall on purpose to kill these people. Remember, Mackenzie is, is 17 years old when this happens. Also, somebody got her pot. Somebody got her very high. Uh, the two victims were adults. One was 20. Now, the statute or the um, age of consent in Ohio, I had to look this up. It's 16. So she, you know, he couldn't have gotten in trouble for that. But somebody's given her pot. They knew she smoked. They got into her car. Um, so I don't know, man. That seems like a hell of a gray area. And you're going to put away a teenager for life. Um, you know, this goes back, I have an episode of the philosophy of crime that delves into this a little bit, this idea of when to try a person as an adult versus a juvenile. And if you look at the physiology, just the physiology behind it, your prefrontal cortex, the thing that tells you, hey, that's a bad idea, that doesn't fully develop until like age 25. We are treating these children as adults when, when we shouldn't. This is a weird story. I'm going to look more into it. Um, I don't know if I'll, I'll do anything more with it, but uh, I'm going to do a little digging on this one because something doesn't smell right, right? Another week, another indictment for former president and reality show host Donald Trump. On Monday, a grand jury in Georgia indicted Trump and 18 co-conspirators on state charges related to their efforts overthrow the 2020 vote count, according to CNN. But that's not what I want to talk about. I don't want, you know, another week, another indictment, right? We know what, what they're going after him for. That's not what I want to talk about. 
I want to talk about the crimes of harassment by Trump's minions that occurred after that indictment. Um, since that indictment was announced, online trolls have been harassing and threatening members of that grand jury by posting their names, photos, and home addresses online. One of Trump's allies, who has over 200, uh, I'm sorry, 2 million followers, shared screenshots of the grand jurors online. That person, by the way, also promoted the infamous Pizzagate conspiracy, which led to an armed man firing an assault rifle into a DC pizza parlor in 2016. You'd think they'd learn their lesson, apparently not. The sheriff's office is now initiating patrols around the jurors' homes to protect them for doing their civic duty. Is this where we are now is the question I have. Are we harassing jurors when we don't agree with their decisions? Anybody who thinks that the jurors are to blame here, by the way, does not understand, does not have a modicum of understanding of, of the judicial system in the United States, and I'll tell you why. A grand jury's burden of proof is not beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not the same level of proof that you have to reach at a trial. They just have to believe that there's a reasonable possibility that a crime occurred the way the prosecutor says. It's, it's more like, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt is like you're 99.9% .9 sure. Uh, this is more like 51%. It's, it's a lower burden of proof, right? For every 100 cases that's presented to a grand jury, typically like around 99% lead to an indictment. All they have to believe is that, like I said, a possibility of a crime occurred. Um, so it's the whole thing is it's just the prosecutors presenting this their case to the jurors. Most of the time, the defense is not even there. Yes, it's one-sided, but that's how the system is arranged. And then the defendant gets their day in court to defend themselves. So what I'm saying is, jurors always issue an indictment. They're not, <laughs> they're not some democratic plants that are just after Trump. They're indicting everybody. That's why they have a saying in court. I don't know if you've heard this. It's on TV shows. It's all over the place. You should have heard it by now. But a, a jury can indict a ham sandwich. They indict everything. It's not their fault. So please stop harassing the, uh, the jurors who, who didn't ask for the job, by the way. It's not fair game. And um, it, hurts, it hurts the system that we have here that protects everybody. By the way, the, the, the jury system works the same in red states and blue states. It's, it's just the way it works. So uh, anyways, that's crazy, isn't it? I think it is. Remember that movie, A Time to Kill? Uh, the, it starred Matthew McConaughey and Samuel L. Jackson before he got all you know, before he became Nick Fury. It's about a guy that commits a murder, but in such a way that it's totally understandable and he actually goes free at the end. Well, I think that's about to happen again. Let me tell you about this case. A North Carolina man named Chad Woods was charged this week with second-degree murder after shooting and killing 39-year-old Jeffrey, Jeffrey McKay, according to NBC News. Here's what happened. Woods and his 17-year-old son were walking along Dink Ashley Road at around 6 a.m. Monday morning. That's when a pickup truck driven by McKay came down the road and struck and killed Chad's teenage son. McKay was a, a maintenance worker with the Department of Corrections, and after the accident, McKay, he did call 911. He tried to help, but sometime after that, Chad Woods approached him, drew a gun, and killed him. 
He then stole McKay's truck and drove it to his house less than a mile away. Now that sounds, that part sounds odd, but it, it could be a case where he, this guy doesn't have a cell phone and he needed to get home in a hurry to call people about what happened. So um, anyways, for, for this crime, Woods is now facing a lifetime behind bars without the possibility of parole. Do you think a jury will convict? I don't think they will. I am very interested to see how this case shakes out because of this. Because as a father, if I was on that jury, I could not, I could not convict. I put myself in his place. My kid is, is run down and killed in front of me. You're, you are insane with, with rage and, and anger. And, you know, so I think there's a good chance he's going to plead temporary insanity. That's what I would do if I was his lawyer. Uh, not that I'm giving legal advice, but uh, yeah interesting case. Check it out. Keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens. Um, after the break, uh, remember Alex Murdoch, Creepy Eyes McGee? Well, his, his buddy's in trouble this week. Uh, there's a couple uh, cold cases that were solved using genetic genealogy. Lots more to come. Stay tuned. I'll be back in two and two. Please hang up and try again. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome back to Millennium, starring Lance Henriksen. So, uh, Alex Murdoch, huh? Can't get enough of him, right? We're going to talk about him a couple times today. Uh, Alex Murdoch's bagman was sentenced this week to 46 months in federal prison. Uh, that's Corey Fleming, who pleaded guilty earlier this year to wire fraud for his role in stealing millions of dollars in settlement funds that should have gone to the family of Gloria Satterfield who was that housekeeper who allegedly died after a fall at one of Murdoch's homes in 2018. We all remember Alex Murdoch, right? A.K.A. Creepy Eyes McGee. 
the ginger lawyer who was convicted earlier this year of killing his wife and son after a series of unfortunate events unraveled his entire life like an episode of Fargo. Fleming was a good friend of Murdoch's. They met in college, and after Satterfield died, Fleming funneled the settlement money into an account that Murdoch could access instead of giving it to her children. When Satterfield died, by the way, the Murdochs did not notify the local coroner, and no autopsy was performed. It's all very sus, as they say, and now Fleming has no riz. On September 10, 1997, Flagler County Sheriff's deputies found a man's body in an intercoastal waterway at Flagler Beach. That's in Florida, by the way. He had been found, uh, I'm sorry, he had been bound, shot, and stabbed before being dumped into the water. For nearly 26 years, this man's identity has remained a mystery, but this week, authorities announced they have identified this man as 58-year-old Robert Bruce McPhail, according to WESH.com. Sheriff's Office sent some of the man's bones to Othram Labs back in 2021. DNA tests were conducted in Othram, then used genetic genealogy to track down that man's relatives uh, who were living in Manitoba, Canada quite a ways from Florida. The search for his killer continues, now made a little easier now that we know who the victim is. Jared Bridegan's ex-wife was arrested for his murder on Thursday, according to Fox News. I spoke about this case last year. It's a very strange one. I'd forgotten about it, but then uh, when I heard about this arrest, I went back and, you know, it's a doozy. Bridegan was an executive at Microsoft, and he was shot to death on February 16, 2022. He was driving through Jacksonville Beach with his daughter Bexley in the car seat, strapped into the back, when he had to stop because he saw a tire in the middle of the road on the suburban street. When he stepped out to move it, he was shot several times and died from his injuries. At the time, he was uh, in a heated divorce with his ex-wife, 35-year-old Shauna Gardner-Fernandez. I'm sure you see where this is going. After the murder, Shauna moved 2,800 miles away to the Pacific Northwest. By the way, she's the daughter of a prominent member of the Mormon Church and who paid like a million dollars for her house. So not long after the shooting, apparently, police arrested a man named Henry Tenon for the murder. He was living in a rental property owned by... Shannon, his, uh, I'm sorry, Bridegan's ex-wife. The murderer was living at one of her rental properties. They're like, ah, oh, this seems too coincidental, right? He admitting, to sh anyways, Tenon started working for the prosecutors and he admitted to shooting Bridegan and cooperated with them to build a case against Shannon. Uh, prosecutors are alleging that Shannon hired uh, Tinon to kill her ex-husband, and now their 11-year-old twins are likely to grow up without either parent. The body of a teenage girl was found in a landfill in Cheatham County, Tennessee in 1981, and ever since police have been trying to uncover his, uh, her identity. Recently, police sent a sample of her remains to a private lab for testing and genetic genealogy, which led them to the family of Linda Sue Carnes, who disappeared in 1981. Before her murder, she had lived in Clarksville, Tennessee, where she was put into a home for troubled youth and unwed mothers. Remember, they used to have those things back then. Uh, so 
which I don't understand exactly why that became part of the press release and the material. I don't know why we need to know that, but um, she was apparently kind of troubled back then. Died when she was murdered when she was 16. Put in a landfill. Police are asking for anyone who knew Linda Carnes to come forward in the hopes that her killer can now be identified. Let's go on to weird news. I saw this story. It's amazing. I had to share it with you. This is the story of Flash Shelton. Flash, ah, you know, uh, not not that one, but a different one. Anyways, I don't know if he was named after the guy. Flash was faced with an odd problem recently, according to Fox Business. After Flash's father died, he moved his mother out of their house. When he went back to sell it, he found a bunch of squatters had taken it over. In many states, it's very difficult to get squatters out of your house. You have to go through a long, drawn-out eviction process. You have to hire lawyers. The police told him, look, there's just nothing we can do. So Flash was having none of it, so he figured he could beat them at their own game. He decided to out-squat the squatters, so he went to the house at 4 a.m. and waited until the squatters left in three cars. Then he broke into his mother's house, changed the locks, and installed cameras. Now he was the squatter and there was nothing the police could do to get him out. When the squatters came back, he said they had to try. He said, sure, you could try to come in, but now I got you on camera, and it'll be breaking and entering. He gave them 24 hours to pack up their shit and leave. Um, so, well done, sir. Um, I like how that played out. Over to pop culture. This week, Netflix released a... Netflix. <laughs> Uh, uh, that would be Netflix. Uh, this week, Netflix released a trailer for a new documentary called Scouts Honor, The Secret Files of the Boy Scouts of America. I'm already stocking up on popcorn. This seems to be a continuation of the book of, by the same name uh, by Patrick Boyle, whose newspaper reports revealed widespread uh, abuse and cover-up within the Boy Scouts of America. Here's the write-up. Survivors, whistleblowers, and experts recount the Boy Scouts of America's decades-long cover-up of sexual abuse cases and its heartbreaking impact. This new documentary comes out September 6th. Set your uh, VCRs, your Devos, to record. Uh, by the way, not for nothing, the reason, one of the reasons I'm so interested in this is because I've spent the last several months researching the Boy Scouts of America and the abuse, abuse situation for a new book I have coming out next year that recounts my summer as a counselor at a, the biggest Boy Scout camp in Ohio back in 1995, and uh, also the, the greater idea of the Boy Scouts in, as a whole. There's my book gets tends to get more into the secret societies within the Boy Scouts, but there's um, but also the the abuse as well. So I'm very much in that world right now. Um, I'm happy to see this documentary coming out. I hope it leads to some change. Finally, uh, let's go to the book of the week, which actually isn't out yet. I'm mentioning this because you should pre-order it because it deserves to be a bestseller and all the, on the times list and all that. So here's a book for you to pre-order this week. It's called Blood on, Blood on Their Hands, Murder, Corruption, and the Fall of the Murdoch Dynasty by Mandy Matney and Carolyn Murnick. And here's the write-up. Years before the name Alex Murdoch was splashed across every major media outlet in America, 
Local South Carolina journalist Mandy Matney had an instinct that something wasn't right in Low Country. The powerful Murdoch dynasty had dominated rural South Carolina for generations. Nobody dared to cross them. When Mandy and her reporting partner Liz Farrell looked closer at a fatal boat crash involving the storied family's teenage son Paul, they began to uncover a web of mysteries surrounding the deaths of the Murdoch's longtime housekeeper and a young man found slain er years earlier on a backcountry road. Just as their investigations were unfolding, the brutal double murder of Maggie and Paul Murdoch rocketed Alex Murdoch into the international stage. From the newsroom to the courtroom to the kitchen table studio where Mandy recorded her number one podcast, Blood on Their Hands is a propulsive true crime saga, an empathetic work of investigative journalism, and an excoriation of the good old boy systems that enabled a network of criminals. Blood on their hands. Pre-order it. Let's get get it up there. Get it on some bestseller lists. I'll be checking it out for sure. And uh, that's the show for this week. It's the weekend, so go celebrate. Do something fun. But don't smoke pot and drive your car at 100 miles an hour. Anything else is up for grabs. And in the words of the incomparable Murray Saw, that means we got to, 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 got to. Get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a fearful symmetry production. Photo and artwork are licensed through Shutterstock. If you like the cut of my jib, I have another podcast you might enjoy called The Philosophy of Crime, in which I attempt to solve the big questions behind our true crime obsession by looking to philosophy for answers. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Sit, Brownie, sit. Good dog. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.